farewell, Balin. And farewell, Dwalin. And farewell, Dory, Nori, Ori, Owen, Gloin, Biffer, Bofer, and Bomber. Welcome to another episode of Fubar Ferret with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. How's everyone doing today? I hope you're doing all doing. I hope y'all. I hope y'all are doing better than a pickle in a rat barrel. All right. Um, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think that that about sums it right up there, huh? Um, I don't know if this episode or the episode about. The heat wave is going up first. I'm not sure, um, but whichever one does, uh, thank you for listening. Of course, um, I am your Fubar in your comrade Fubar, your your Fubar in arms, uh, and we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing something a little bit different on this episode. And uh, on this episode, I would like to discuss. That's right, folks. I would like to discuss. If I could pull it up something that goes like this that's right i read and finished a book what that is so unlike you yummy look i've always been someone who would love to read books um you know i got back like i read comic books it's been a hot minute but i i do have an extensive comic book collection that's not the same thing obviously there's lots of pictures there's lots of stuff that uh to entice you. I'm talking about just a solid book, hardly any pictures, you know, and none of that, none of that baby stuff, you know. When I was a kid, here, let me, let me tell you the woes of my past. Uh, when I was a kid, there were different reading levels, okay? And it went from, like, uh, if I remember correctly, it went from, like, pink to the next stage was green the next stage was light green, or maybe it was light green, dark green, light blue, dark blue, uh, and then it was like yellow, black, or something like that, you know. And that was that, you know, the books were ordered and how hard they were for a young reader, right? And a lot of the books were quite simple, you know. Um, but this was back when I was at a a private-ish school, right? And you know, you would get judged on how well you were reading, how well you took tests and stuff like that on the books you were supposed to read. There was one book I never found again after after this um this bout at the school that I really really liked. I would always I'd always take it out with uh, my library card, and it was this it was this book where you, it would it would it was it was called like stick figure something stick you would draw just stick it was all stick figures so it learned how to draw like a stick figure with a sword and a shield and it would it would get more and more intricate you know you would be building castles and it would kind of go step by step on how to kind of make a a fun fight scene right with stick figures and i really enjoyed that book i've tried finding it yeah, i've never found it again the cover had like a bunch of stick figures on the front and they were in columns or rows i can't remember which one it was kind of blue. So if anyone knows this book that I'm talking about, it was one of my childhood favorites uh, just because I loved drawing, like, little stick figure sections, and I would draw things like, you know, the uh, a bunch of archers and swordmen fighting each other. And this was actually before I fell in love with The Lord of the Rings. This was before that um, because 
I I, be, I believe that that first movie came out in like two thousand. What was it? Two thousand something. <laughs> um, but I remember liking to draw that stuff, and that's why I would go to the school's library was to check out that book. And one of these, one of the days, I went there, and the book was not was not there. And uh, of course, I left that school around third grade, so it's like okay, it's gone forever now. But back in in those days, you know, back on that grading scale, that reading scale, um, I was I was I was let's see, I was past pink, past light green, and I was on solid green. So there was still a lot ahead of me, but there was a little bit below me. I was never really great at like I don't know. I mean, I, I'm fine at reading, I guess. I mean, obviously my live streams would tell you otherwise, but I was I was okay at reading. Um, but back then, I could I could never get past that green stage. And that's kind of where I stayed my whole my whole life. Like I'm I'm not more of I'm not a reading learner, right? <laughs> you know, if if the if a if a book or a subject or whatever doesn't entice me, then you know I'm not going to be reading it, even if it is a school mandatory thing. That's just how I was. I was more I'm I'm I am and I will always be more of a visual learner and also. I'm more of a writer. Like I like to write down stuff. So like my teachers would get would hand out, you know, these they would be like, Oh, and so you don't have to, you know, strain yourself. You know, here's here's the PowerPoints on a piece of paper and you write down notes in the side in the side of the bar. And that stuff wouldn't work. It wouldn't work at all. I, I would I had to like write down each each note from the slide in order for me to you know, essentially uh, 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 absorb the information is what I'm trying to say. So that's that was my life. I mean, all the way through college, I would do that. I mean, it was probably not the best idea since a lot of time I wasn't really listening. I was more so writing. But the stuff I wrote down and the stuff that normally showed up on tests, or if the teacher was like, "You should write this down because it could be a it could be a question." Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Train coming down the tracks. I would write that stuff down, and I would never look at my notebooks again. Um, but I would remember exactly what they were talking about, exactly what they. Uh, what what the question was going to be, et cetera, et cetera, because I wrote it all down. Um, and obviously that's not everyone's learning style, but that's how mine was. And um, for a long time, that's really all I was doing. I was just, you know, I, I would get out a notebook, I would write as as fast as I could, and then I would never look at that notebook again, but I would have those notes just in case. I would have those notes, though. And I don't think my parents or my teachers understood my my habits because all through my life people always were like, "Oh, you're doing it wrong. You gotta, you know, you gotta use flashcards. You gotta, you know, you you gotta read the text. You gotta like, yeah, sure, I would read the text, but if it wasn't like a subject like history or something like that, I I really wouldn't absorb it. Um, but all my time during school, we had a period called study hour, or whatever it was study study hall. I'm sorry, study hall, which was like a 30 minute time span before lunch where you would sit in either the auditorium or a certain classroom or whatever, and you would just work on homework or stuff. Um, but what I would do that whole time would be just read. I would read books. Um, and that's the only time that I would read, and I would actually be able to read for that you know, 30 to 40 minutes straight. Um, and once I moved over to high school... And I started doing more writing as in just like writing storybooks, which I totally forgot that I was going to read some of my old stuff on the podcast. I'll get around to that. I, I'll remember for maybe next time. I don't know. Or the time after this. I don't know. Who knows? Um, 
but before that, I mean, I was reading like a book a month or a, a book every every so off uh, every two weeks. Uh, one of my favorite books back in, I mean, I would read a lot of military books, uh, so books that had a lot of action to them, you know, stuff like that. But one of my favorite books was Fallen Angels by Walter Dean Myers. And um, that was a story about the Vietnam War, and there was a it was a group of soldiers who had to deal with you know diversity in in the unit, the the horrors of of war, uh, you know people people would die and you know things would happen. Very, it's still a pretty good book. I haven't read it in a while though, um, but that was a book that I read all the way through my school years. I would read it almost every single year. Really enjoyed it. Um, but there was also, I mean, there's a plethora of books that I read once I got, like I said, once I got into high school though, it became less about reading and more about writing. Um, so, you know, through high school, I wasn't really reading. So, um, but I, I was always kind of at that stage where it's like, if, you know, like you, they would have like in the, in the reading program at that old school I was talking about, they would have like the books that were like just so boring, you know, like, and I was like trying to read them and I was losing my you know, I wasn't paying attention, so I would stumble over a word here or there. I mean, obviously, I still do stumble around a lot because, you know, when I when I read out loud, I I, I talk faster than my brain can comprehend things. Um, so a lot of times when I'm reading out loud, uh, I will start to stumble over things because I'm just reading too fast for my for my brain to comprehend. You know. Um, that being said, internal reading, I'm, I'm pretty good at. I'm pretty good. Sometimes I'll have to re go over like a paragraph just because like I'm not paying attention. I'm like thinking about something or maybe I have this image in my head of what's going on. So I kind of have to go like, oh, shoot, I completely missed what was actually happening. Um, but that that doesn't happen too often. Um, but when it does happen, it, it is a little annoying, especially on the longer paragraphs that you're trying to get through. I get distracted pretty easily. You know, when you when you're reading, when, sometimes when I'm reading, it's just like, OK, in my mind, I'm thinking of you know, work, you know, because a lot of times when I'm reading nowadays, I'm in my car waiting for uh, something to come in for work, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, what's going to come next? You know, you know, my phone goes off and I have to, you know, have to rush to my phone, got to stop where I am. Um, but the nice thing is sometimes I do have long extended periods of like an hour or so where I can just read a book. And before I was reading a book, which I'll talk about in a second here, um, you know, I, I would uh, just watch YouTube and I would like that, that like, OK, look, I can sit around for stuff and you you would think like, oh, you know, YouTube, it's, you know, it's a video. You're watching a video um, even on like my favorite YouTubers channels. Like I would start to just get disinterested and I would just start getting fidgety and all that stuff. Um, now that I'm reading a book when this happens, like I'll still watch like a YouTube video and then be like, OK, time to time to read or something like that. Um when I'm reading a book, I don't really get that way. I'm more interested in the story. I do find myself when I'm reading, like my eyes get tired after about an hour and a half of reading, right? And I think that's another reason why I didn't really read too much when I was a kid because, you know, as soon as I would hit that hour mark or whatever, I would, my eyes would just start to feel weary and I'd just want to go to sleep. And that still does happen to me. I don't know really I don't really know how to get that to stop happening because I am interested in reading. Like there's 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 a part of me that I've always been really interested in reading, not only because it inspired what I wrote, um, especially on the sci-fi end of things, um, but also because I just found, I just, like, there's a lot of stories out there that I would, that I find interesting. A lot of sci-fi stuff, fantasy stuff, um, 
I used to, I read the entire uh, Star Wars X-Wing series when I was a kid. And of course, that's an old, real old book now, uh, old series now. And I remember um, when I was in high school, a new book in the X-Wing series came out. It was written by someone different. And I just I didn't like their writing style or something. Um, and it was obviously a little bit too far gone from the rest of the series. So I I ended up selling the book at half price books like a few weeks later, right? Because I was like, I just cannot read this. I can't can't do it. But the entire run of that X-Wing series, I read from cover to cover. I loved it so much. I was invested in all the characters. And that was when I was, you know, I would read like... I, if, if I read more than an hour, my eyes would start hurting. But I would I would power through it because I really enjoyed the story. And that happened with a lot of Star Wars stories. There was the Bounty Hunter books, uh, I Jedi. Um, and there was the written versions of the stories, which I also like to read. Um, I, you know, I, I like those kind of books where you can kind of start to get a picture of what's going on in your head. Um, one of the last Star Wars books I read was about uh, this ship that Han Solo and Chewbacca was on. And all the stormtroopers and Imperial officers all got infected by some, like, zombie thing. It was, I mean, it was dumb, but it was, in, you know, it was entertaining for what it was, you know. Um, I tried reading, like, the um, um, Darth Plagueis books or, and the Grand Moff Tarkin book. And just, you know, I obviously like a, 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 a writing style that... Uh, I, I guess there needs to be a lot of action in it, right? You know, maybe not action so much, but you know, I, I do enjoy reading like talking. But when they when when books start to get into like giant paragraphs of of lore and stuff like that, that's where I, that's where I start to drop off a little bit because there's a lot of reading and it's not a lot going on. Like there's no characters that I can visualize in my head. Sure, there's a landscape that I can visualize, but the characters aren't interacting or there's nothing going on, and it's just more of descriptors than anything else. I am going to try reading the first book of Dune. I bought the first three. I'm going to try reading the first book. It's a very, it's a big one. So, you know, it's about twice, it's about triple the size of the book that I just read. Um, so I am, I'm interested because I watched the movie and I was really into the movie. And I have a, a you know, I have those pictures in my head. So while I'm reading, hopefully I can, you know, kind of visualize what I'm reading and it'll help me stay interested just like I did for the book that I have in my hand right now, which is the Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, so I, I, a few episodes ago, I talked about which Hobbit had the most impact on the Lord of the Rings as a series. I also apologized for my hot takes. Um, but I stand by the fact that I think Mary is the least important Hobbit in the entire series. Mary could have been left behind and everyone else could have gone with the elves and I would have been happy because honestly, after reading the Hobbit, you kind of understand why Bilbo is so, so, so important to both the elves and to just the narrative of the entire Lord of the Rings saga. And I really didn't understand that until I read the Hobbit. This is obviously a, a very old book at this point. I'm sure plenty of you in the audience or, you know, plenty of people out there have already read the book and already know exactly what I'm going to say, but this is actually one of the most integral parts of the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. It just, it sets things up so nicely uh, for the the start of the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring and Onward. Um, and that means, I think, at this point, you know, yes, Sam is very important. Frodo, obviously important, but kind of fucks up a lot. <laughs> Um, uh, Pippin, I think is still the most important in my heart, but Bilbo's up there. Bilbo is up there. I mean, people were asking, why is Bilbo on this list? Why is Bilbo on this list? Why isn't Mary on this list? It's like, well, Bilbo has a whole book dedicated to him. Okay. Bilbo has an entire book filled with 
adventures and exploits and him saving the day that amounts to him finally, you know, retiring to his hobbit hole and then starting the adventure for the Fellowship of the Ring. And I think that if not for Bilbo, the Ring of the Power would honestly have fallen into the hands of Sauron and his minions because Gollum... You know, he would have just stayed in his little hole and eating raw fish, you know. And because of Bilbo, he took the ring out of that hole in the ground. And uh, he he was able to get it started on its adventure. Now, J.R.R. Tolkien, this book is written kind of weirdly at times. And I think I've said this on Twitter or live streams before. But there are moments where he will actually address you as the reader. And... You know, when when you're reading The Hobbit, you're under the assumption, like, this is this is Bilbo's recount of the tale, right? Well, not really. It's J.R.R. Tolkien telling you the story from mostly Bilbo's perspective. So there's times where he will speak to you, the audience member, you know, like when Bilbo's, t- you know, thinking about his Hobbit hole back in the Shire, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien will remind you, like, he's done in the past and will do more in the future. And those parts of the story kind of did take me out of it a little bit, you know? Like, you read, you know, you're reading through, and you're like, okay, you know, Philly and Killy are on their way, and, you know, Bilbo was in the dark and thinking about his hobbit hole, and in, and in parentheses he'll say, just like he's done in the past, as you know, you know? <laughs> or, you know, when they're talking about the dwarves' origins, I think they mentioned the the uh, the Battle of, the, of Moria, and he's like, and this will be recounted in a future book, which I think was technically added after the fact, um, in a, in a, in this publication, in, in this in this run of the books, um, he's also. I mean, he's he seems to also be a, a very big fan of run-on sentences. I mean, towards the end of the book, there, he's recounting who survived the battle of the five armies, and he's like, you know, uh, he he starts naming all the all the dwarves, and he starts with or or yeah, and he starts with you know, um, Thorin was wounded, and. You know, Killy and Philly died, and Oli and Gloin and Bomber all were living, you know, he just names all, it's like, he lots of ands in there that don't need to be in there, lots of weird run-on sentences that kind of take you out of it. Here we go. Uh, here's the end where Bilbo is saying farewell to all of the dwarves, and he says, farewell Balin, and farewell Dwalin. And farewell, Dory, Nori, Ori, Owen, Gloin, Biffer, Bofer, and Boom, Bomb, Bomber. <laughs> it's like okay, I understand that at that point is Bilbo saying goodbye, but that that is a good showcase of what happens in this book. A lot is they'll just he'll just do and 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 you know and he was very hungry for bacon and eggs and you know toast and tea and <laughs> and it's like okay. Maybe, maybe uh, with the times have you know changed in, the, in in how people write, uh, maybe that's what's going on here. But it's it's crazy that uh, that that, uh, that 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 there's so many of these instances that I can point out where it's like, and 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 and, or it just kind of keeps going and going and going. It's like there should be a period or a stoppage here somewhere, you know. Um, but one of the things uh, also that the book does better than its movie counterparts but also still kind of falters. There are a lot of dwarves in this book and a lot of them, they, I mean, they don't do much during the story. You know, a lot, you kind of forget just how big the party was. I mean, it's 13 dwarves plus Gandalf 
and Bilbo making making a, a group of 16 for the most part while they're going through it. Uh, obviously, Gandalf leaves, and then it becomes 14, but through it, there's 13 dwarves in, in the book. And there's only, like, four of them who actually have story significance, maybe five. So the ones that I can name off the top of my head without looking them up, you, of course, have Thorin Oakenshield, who is the... You know the, the 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 guy trying to get the gold back from Schmaug, okay. Obviously, he's a big part of it. Uh, but he even takes back seat to a lot of the other dwarves. Um, he does. He I think honestly he did less than Killy and Philly. Killy and Philly are brought up a lot in this book. They're the youngest of the dwarves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Gloin, who I believe is the one who's old and wise, and he he was at the mountain. You know, he remembers the mountain very clearly. He he shows up a lot only you know mostly because he, you know he he uh, cares for Bilbo, Bilbo. He respects Bilbo, and then Bomber, who is the fattest ha, uh, fattest of the dwarves, he's brought up a lot because he's slowing the group down, or he falls asleep for a long time, or he's he's fat and hungry, you know, uh, or the ponies can't carry him because of his weight, you know, stuff like that. So you hear a lot about those guys, but there's a whole bunch of dwarves in here who are barely even mentioned in the story. And when you're listing off their names, that's when you go, oh yeah, they are in this book. You know, there's a whole slew of them that I actually just read off and I can't, I can't find the page again. But, you know, Olin, Ollie, Glaw, Gloin, you know, whatever those names were, you know, like less than half of the dwarves actually have story significance, you know, and that shows in the uh, the, the animated version of the film that we talked about on Film Freaks with a Z. It kind of shows in that one, too, because I was kind of like, hmm, there's a, there's a lot of dwarves here, but we're really only getting conversations between, you know, Bilbo and, and, and a few of them. You know, the rest of them are just kind of like you know, off in the distance or, not, you know, they don't really do much, right? And actually, that is that is the thing about this book in general is the dwarves really don't do much in this whole story. Um, Gandalf chose Bilbo to to help them out as the burglar, and he does everything in the book. The dwarves are too scared and, and I, I, I want to say stupid, but, you know, they're, they're too scared to do anything, right? Throughout the entire book, they're getting, they're the ones getting captured. They're the ones getting in trouble. They're the ones that, that Bilbo has to help out. It's kind of the opposite of, you know, Bilbo's later like, grandson or whatever, Frodo. You know, Frodo's the one not constantly getting in trouble in those books, whereas in this one, it's all these dwarves. All 13 of these dwarves, strong, stout, usually had weapons dwarves, were caught off guard or just completely baffled by what to do in the scenario one of the first encounters that come up is the one with the trolls and the three trolls you know obviously that they're they're pretty famous trolls they're they're in they're, they're stone they turn they're turned to stone uh by gandalf um because the he, more more so because of the sun but gandalf is there and you read the book and you're like these dwarves are incompetent they you know bilbo gets caught first and then they send out some scouts they get caught right away then they send some more and they all get caught and and they get stuffed in the bags and then finally thor and oakenshield he comes out there and he whacks one in the face with a branch or something then he gets caught and it's like okay i thought you guys were like you know like the best fighters ever there's a lot of times in this in this book where also they lose all their supplies like they just get resupplied their ponies are fresh whatever and they just lose everything in a matter of of, of a few pages you know, oh, we got all our ponies, but they don't want to go into the forest. Oh, we got all our ponies, but they've been eaten by trolls. Oh, we got all our ponies, but they've been burned by Schmauk. Like, 
<laughs> these poor fucking ponies, dude. These poor fucking ponies. Um, almost all the ponies that they have either uh, die or get lost or have to return to their master almost right away. Um, which is just kind of, uh, just kind of, it's it's a it's a little bit annoying. You know, it's a little bit annoying in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the dwarves are very, very incompetent. I mean, even up until the end of, of the book when they're, they're too, they're too enamored with their gold to help the men of the river. Um, and like that whole ending there, obviously, you know, the whole thing about dwarves is, you know, they, uh, you know, they're very, they're, they, they, they succumb to gold very easily. So it's understandable that they would want to, you know, keep their fortune. But I mean, when you hear of the story of how, you know, the uh, bard or whatever his name is killed the dragon with the help of the thrush bird that her overheard Bilbo talking about the weakness of the dragon. You go, okay, so they're the ones who caused Smaug to go down there and burn their village. Why can't they just give them a little bit of help? You know, like, like I understand that they came to you with swords and stuff and the elves of the woods, but... I mean, they're the ones who fed you when you were starving. I mean, at at the point in the book where they get to the river lake, the 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 rivermen, um, like they're washed up on shore in these barrels that obviously Bilbo saved them with. And I mean, they're like half of them are like on the on on the cusp of dying, and the other half are just are like barely getting along. And they go and and the and the men of this of this of this of this village just completely saved their lives, you know, just like, just like how the elves of the woods pretty much saved their lives when they're, when the doors are all captured by them, just like how, uh, the, the man in the woods who can turn into a bear, I think his name is born Bjorn or something like that. Um, he saves them all. Uh, just, just like how the eagles save them from the trees and the wargs and the burning fire. Just, just like how they're, 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 they're just, there's a deus ex machina for all these fucking dwarves, which does make for a kind of a, uh, a crazy story. I mean, all through this adventure, no dwarves die until the end when Thorin dies and Killian Philly die defending him. And it's like, this was, <laughs> this was ridiculous, you know, but at least what the movies do, right? At least the animated movie, it, it, you know, the, the animated movie did a pretty good job of, of t- kind of doing like a, a clip notes, not what's clip, not clip notes, but like a shorter version of this story where, you know, they, they took out some of the fluff. I think that the man in the woods who can turn to a bear should have been in the animated movie. I mean, he was a pretty big part of of the book for a while. Uh, and especially at the end, at the, uh, the Battle of the Five, Army, uh, Five Armies, he literally, uh, I mean, he kind of saves Thorin um, by taking him out of the battle. Uh, you know, but he's the one who like kind of changes the tide of the war. Like he turns into, he turns into like a giant bear and he's, he either scares or kills all the, all the goblins in the area. And then he's also the one who takes down the new leader, the new king of the, of the gala of the goblins, um, Balg, Balg or something like that. So it's like, okay, he's, he's like a very important part of this story, but he's, he's erased from like every version of like from the movies and stuff like that. Right. Um, so it's just it's just kind of funny. It is it is kind of funny. But but the like I said the animated movie does it pretty well. Does it pretty pretty well. I think they nail the like the songs and stuff like that of of the uh of, of the book. Um you know when when the songs came up in the book in written form, I was able to kind of, you know, hum along to 
what they were singing. Um, the newer the, the stuff that they didn't have in the movie, obviously, I couldn't really do much with. But um, you know, it was interesting having that to, uh, as like a little, you know, as a as a as a as kind of like a a palette or whatever for you know um, for reading this. You know, it it, it did help me kind of go along when I knew you know the spider part is is pretty well done in the animated version where Bilbo saves the dwarves from the spider by using his newly found sword sting. He calls a sting in there. Um, you know, and and and, and it, Bilbo's not just like you know this is another moment where like the dwarves are on the edge of the precipice of dying and Bilbo comes in there. And he, at this point, I believe he has, he has his ring at this point. So he's got an edge on the spiders, obviously. But the dwarves are all like they all get stuck in Mirkwood, and the spiders, you know, they 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 grab them and wrap them all up, and you know they're pretty much starving them to death or whatever. Um, and um, oh, what's he? I mean, you know, Bilbo just goes in there and just murks all the spiders, right? And he saves all the dwarves. Um, and that, that actually happens a lot in the, in the book where Bilbo is kind of like, he is, he, he's the guy who kind of saves the day every single time. The dwarves are just incompetent. They just cannot do anything, you know? Um, there, there, there's plenty of times in here actually that, that Bilbo is just like the one who saves everyone. I mean, you know, when the, when the goblins go to take them in the cave, uh, Bil, Bilbo is the one who notices the crack forming and allows Ga- uh, Gandalf to escape, right? Um, later on. You know, uh, in, with the spiders, Bilbo, you know, saves all the dwarves from spiders. When when the wood elves capture the dwarves, you know, Bilbo's the one that comes up with the plan to have them escape in the barrels. There's no there's no crazy you know fight in the barrels like in in the in the trilogy movies. Um, there you know there's there's no Legolas, there's no dwarf elf romance. You know, uh, it's just straight to the point. They just want to get to their mountain and they want to escape the wood elves. That's it. You know, Bilbo's the one who goes into the village and gets the men to help carry these doors back. Uh, Bilbo's the one that goes into Smog's cave and takes the first bit of gold and shows them that he, you know, he was the right one to call upon. Um, you know, Bil- Bilbo's also the one that has them close the door, the secret entrance entrance of the door. He's the one who has them close uh, close that just in time for the for Smog to come down and try and dist- and kill them. Um, he's the one who tells the thrush about the weakness of, like, Bilbo is so important in this book, and you wouldn't think of it when it starts out, and obviously from the different, like, the animated movie, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really, like, I don't think he does as much as you would think he would in the animated movie. They they did a good job, but they didn't do enough in that. And definitely with the original, with the trilogy movies by, um, you know, the, the trilogy movies that came out, I think that, um... You know, those did a terrible job of showing how important Bilbo was to the story. It was just kind of, it was just, it's just kind of weak. You know that that original trilogy bo- uh, movies, and I remember watching the Unexpected Journey and thinking that that one was, you know, it was, it was pretty good back in the day. Uh, I watched that one and I was like, oh, this is starting off on the right foot. I don't know why people are so angry at the second movie or whatever it was. Um, but when I, you know, after reading the book, I can go, yeah, you know, that movie. You know, it did a lot of things right, I would say. I think the first movie in that trilogy is actually maybe worth watching, especially because it does follow the events of the book pretty well up until the end. Um, but, you know, the book doesn't have, like, an overarching villain, right? It does have the Goblin King, but the Goblin King dies in in his chapter, just like, it, you know, in the movies. Um, 
but in in the movies they have like that orc guy with the hook for a hand he's not in you know he's he's not in the book <laughs> you know uh the the legolas he's he's not in the book elrond's in the book uh for sure gandalf is in the book saruman is not in the book um you know legolas obviously is not in the book you know the the romance between the elf and the dwarf not in the book uh, the battle in the barrels, not in the book. I mean, you know, obviously they had to do stuff for the movie to kind of make it more entertaining. But, you know, just just reading, I mean, reading the book was, you know, actually had some tense moments in it. You know, them them floating down the river and trying not to get caught. Uh, you know, Bilbo trying to steal the keys from the sleeping drunk guard. Uh, you know, Bilbo taking his sword out for the first time and actually trying to strike the, the spiders. Uh you know, Bjorn, you know, you weren't sure, you weren't really sure about that Bjorn guy up until the end. Um, and especially when the dwarves were thinking of not letting their ponies go before getting the Mirkwood and Gandalf being like, well, you should, because Bjorn's going to come out here and fucking kill you guys. If you don't, if you don't let these ponies go, um, all the way up until the end, you know, and I think they actually, you know, the, the battle of the five armies in the book, I think it is actually a little bit different than the battle of the five armies in the movie. Now I haven't really watched that one. I I watched snippets of it, but you know, there's a moment where Legolas like defies gravity and, and kills the leader of the goblins or whatever. Um, but I think in that movie, they had all the, all the sides fighting against each other, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the same thing I think happened in, in the animated movie too, up and you know, but in the book, like people don't really fight until the massive goblin horde comes, and that's when everyone kind of comes together to to to, to save the 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 mount the, the area that they're in. You know, the 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 um the men of Dale, uh, the elves of the woodland elves, the the dwarves from the uh, the Iron Hammer, I think they're called dwarves, um, and you know, eventually the eagles come in, obviously. Um, and also, you know, Bilbo gets knocked out in the book right after the eagles are coming. And I think it was like a perfect thing, though, because, you know, in the book, they, they kind of, um, they, you know, he, they say that like people looked around, but they couldn't see where the voice is coming from. And you, you're just like, oh, it's because he's small. But no, it's because he was wearing the ring <laughs> and he didn't he didn't remember that he was wearing the ring. And you as a reader probably don't remember that he was reading it, the uh, wearing the ring. Uh, so when he gets knocked out and he's not found for a day or so, it's because, you know, he's he's been knocked out with the ring on <laughs> and people just don't know that he's there. It's it's pretty it's pretty, uh, pretty good wrap up there for that for that battle. Um, there are some really, really still great moments in this book uh, reading his his little duel with Gollum is much more interesting than watching it, even though the animated movie does really a really good job with that. And I think unexpected journey does a good job with that too. Um, reading it just, it felt a little bit more intense because you got you in the, in the book, you get more of the feeling that, you know, Gollum or Smeagol is going to kill Bilbo uh, as soon as he gets an answer wrong, you know, and it, it's a much more, uh, it's much more intense in the book, you know, um, also, uh, obviously, Bilbo's interaction with Smog is a lot different in the book than it is in, in the other movies. Uh, in the book, he goes back and forth between Smog's chamber twice before uh, talking to him. So, you know, for, he, he gets the gold cup first, and then he goes back, um, you know, to see if he can... I don't even remember what he do, why he goes back, but, you know, he goes back and he talks to Smog, and it's another one of those um, interesting moments where, you know, he's just, you know it's it's just it's just described so much better in the book you know how smaug is acting and stuff like that i mean benedict cumberbatch obviously is is an okay, is a fine smaug i mean i'm not going to i'm not going to 
curse him. Um, but the book, like the book version, just it reads so smoothly, you know, and, and those are the parts of the book that I'm like, yeah, no wonder this was, you know, such a bestseller because like these parts in the story where he's talking, you know, he's doing these different adventure things um, is really, really good. But then there's the moments of the book in the middle where it's it's a lot more f- maybe filler. You know, it's a lot of like, oh, we're traveling along and we are tired and we want to go home. And it's like, OK, there, there's a lot of those moments in the book where it's just like a paragraph or two of just them complaining or J.R.R. Tolkien just kind of like talking to the reader and, and, and explaining like, ah, in, in the, in the Mirkwood, uh, you can't see very far. And there's, you know, uh, if you go out, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's very interesting stuff, but also it kind of needs things to happen. You know, the entire section of Mirkwood was pretty interesting though. I read through that pretty fast only because it was kind of full of high stakes, you know, them trying to get the boat from the dock that's on the other side of the river, Bombor falling in and, and being asleep for how many days them deciding to go into the woods and try and, um, get to this elf party that's going on. And J.R. R. Tolkien, this is another moment where he goes, ah, oh, reader, if they had only walked another hour, they would have gotten out of the forest. And it's like, oh, thanks for telling me. You know, it doesn't, I mean, that's not really important to me as a reader. Um, but I, yeah, Mer- the Mirkwood section, really good. Um, the section where, you know, um, the dwarves are uh, captured by the goblins is pretty good. And also the part with Gollum. Uh, the Smaug stuff is really good. But there's also a lot in there between then, uh, between Mirkwood and um, and Schmaug that just kind of like, you know, it was just kind of boring reading. Uh, it was obviously interesting to get the background on some of this stuff, but, you know, I, I, you know, I think the one thing that the movies do well is kind of making a shorter version of the book, but there are still some things that I said that I would say that should have been in the book uh, in, in, in all the movies that they've made for the Hobbit. Um, you know, the whole thing with, I mean, the, the guy who turns into a bear isn't even mentioned in the animated movies or the trilogy. And I think that he would have been perfect for either of those stories. Um, but if you're going to watch one version of this, of this book, it's definitely going to be the animated version. Um, I think that it's the most true to the story. I think it's done the best. Um, obviously it still has the faults of the book where like a lot of the dwarves, they just are, um, you forget that they're there, you know, there, there's, there's 13 freaking dwarves. And I only remember the names of four of them because four, you know, that's, they would constantly go between four or five of the dwarves. I guess Killy and Philly kind of are in my head are kind of one character because they're like twins or something like that. And they're the youngest. And it's like, of course they're going to relate more to Bilbo than to the older dwarves. But you know, like Bombor and Galt and Gloin and Thorin and, I'm doing the same thing as the book and Killy and Philly. Uh, they are all the important doors and the rest of them are just kind of like there and they don't really do anything, you know? And like I said, that's, that's, I, that's, not, that's just a problem with the book in general. You know, you can't really blame the movies for not having enough for these other dwarves to do because the book barely has anything for them to do too. So I guess I kind of forgive the animated movie and the, uh, the trilogy movies um, a little bit more, but still, if you're going to watch any of the movies, uh, watch the animated one. The original, the, the the trilogy. I'm saying the original trilogy for some reason. The trilogy. Um, the only one in that trilogy really to watch is the first part, which is the unexpected journey, um, which I think was. It, I would have to rewatch it. Maybe I'll suggest it for film freaks in the future. But that's really the only one that I feel like is worth going back to. Um, I didn't even watch the third movie. Um, I, I watched a little bits of it, and I knew like this is just stupid right um and then in the middle movie there i think half of that movie is good and then the other half was just kind of like a a big fumble so 
you know, like I, I think like the first half of I think it's I think it is called the Desolation of Smog in the second movie. I think the second half is good. You know, once they get out of that the Wood Elves area and they're interact and, and and you know, uh, Bilbo's interacting with Smog and stuff like that. That's where the movie gets good. The rest of the movie is just like eh, whatever. You know, um, I think in the movies don't they just they, they completely cut out the spider stuff too? I'm pretty sure. I don't remember there being spiders in Mirkwood or anything like that. It's very interesting how they they did that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that they could have done for that second movie that would have made more sense than what they did for that movie. Um, but you know, I don't know. I feel like I've rambled on for a little bit too long at this point. I mean, this is a book review for God's sake. Um, but my next book that I want to read is Dune. Um, so when I'm done with that, which will probably be a while because it's a big book and I don't know, uh, if I, if I don't stay, stay on it, um, might, might, uh, just switch back over to, uh, a different Lord of the Rings book. But, um, I'm very, I'm very much glad that I, that I read the, the book. You know, I think that, in general, I think that was a good read, and it kind of put a lot of things into perspective. And uh, I, you know, I now know things that I didn't know about the the stuff uh, that you don't get out of the movies. So that's why I do want to read the rest of the trilogy. Um, you know, with the Fellowship, the Two Towers, and Return of the King. Obviously, they're a bit beefier than the Hobbits. I think the Hobbit's a good starting point, obviously, because it is a smaller book in general. Um, and you know, we'll see if uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's I'm, I'm sure people know out there, but I'll, I'll see if his writing style changes to more suit what I like. Um, but I think I'm going to enjoy Dune simply because, like, I love I love the movie. I thought the movie was great. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, obviously movies and books are two different animals. But, um, you know, sci-fi is going to help me get through something as big as Dune for sure. Um, I've tried uh, plenty of books. I have definitely tried plenty of books. A lot of them I'll get into, but then I just won't read the rest, you know, because I'm not interested, you know, like I, I, I really got into that Darth Plagueis book, Plagueis, whatever his name is. Um, and there was like a halfway point when he does take Palpatine under his wing that I'm like, well, well, this is kind of, this is getting boring because I already know the story of Palpatine. I want to know more about this Darth Plagueis guy, but in the in the middle of the fucking book, he dies. <laughs> so... Whatever. All right. Well, um, I don't even know what I'm going to name this episode. I didn't really say anything funny or anything like that. Maybe I'll just call it like, you know, the big, the big Hobbit review or something like that. I don't know. The Hobbit uh, review. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm. I don't know. I, I'm trying to like think of just something quirky to say at the end here, so I can make it the title like that would relate to the Hobbit. But I can't really think of anything. You know. Uh, I guess. I guess the only thing to say is. Uh, I don't know. Bilbo's OP? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs>